Hi there, I'm Jake. Hi, I'm Krista. Uh, what do you know about DCOMs, Krista? Nothing. I watched uh, High School Musical and, and oh. Camp Rock. Oh, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> and I watched all of them. <laughs> all of them? Yeah, it was like an event in our house. <laughs> so join us for a DCOM deep dive where we're going to watch and review every single one. And that that was the greatest song of all time. Living, Definitely. Living rent free in my head for <laughs> when did this come out, actually? I don't know. Uh, it premiered June 26, 1999. So it's been living in my head since June 6, 1999. Great. Yep. Yep. I was still in, well, I guess after kindergarten. That would have been the summer after kindergarten for me. <sighs> I remember, yeah, I would have finished first grade because we did this big thing in second grade about 9-9-99. Oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah second every second grade. grade well, that. okay. Yeah. I graduated kindergarten, so I would have had part of first grade yeah. in 99. So, yeah, so that June, makes sense. Yeah, I would have just finished first grade. I don't remember this premiere, like, at all. Yeah? I have no memories of it. I remember it being on all the time. Yeah? No memory of of this premiere, like, what it was like, how they advertised it, aside from what I looked up. but So, do you have memories of this one? Oh, tons. Yeah, it was on all the time, and we'll get into more but ryan merriman the star starred in two other decoms and so every time his other decoms were about to premiere they would loop in you know smart house yeah well it was a fun one for sure yeah i'd say i'd say i pretty much liked it like it's it's about exactly what i remember <laughs> though i've seen this one i think more than 13th year like they i think they played this one more yeah, the 13th year guy and this guy kind of looked alike, in they my did. opinion. They did. I don't know. Maybe they had like a type for a while. They were like, we got to get a kind of stocky, not fat, just a little stocky, brown haired boy. Yeah, who to, looks kind of relaxed, cool. Yeah, relaxed, cool. And that's the guy we're going to cast. <laughs> and you noticed it was zoomed in. So they clearly played this one more. Yeah, so it was zoomed in on Disney Plus. Right. So right. I'm yeah. sure it is in a few. You can rent it on Amazon and YouTube. I'm pretty sure. I doubt yeah. it is there, but it just goes to show this. That I think that's good evidence. They played this one a lot more and a lot more recently. Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. That's the plot summary here. I did my best. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're filling the details a little more later, but um, eighth grade Ben. He helps his dad around the house after his mom passes away, which has happened like a few years ago, I yeah. think. Well, it's the sister doesn't like, remember mom. Yeah. So. And the sister's probably like in second or third grade, yeah. maybe even a little older, but around that age. Um, so he's been helping his mom, her, his dad and his sister. He enters this competition to live in a fully smart house and he wins. So he and his family move in. At first, Pat, which is the computer that like that the house runs on, I guess. Um, it stands for personal apply technology. She's like really great. And then she kind of starts to glitch. Um, first, she like can't make a smoothie and it goes all crazy. So 
when it glitches, the woman that made the technology, she keeps coming over and the dad and her kind of start hitting it off and end up going on a date. Um, Ben doesn't really want to have another mom and he kind of thinks that Pat can take the place of a mom. So he sneaks into the control room. Yeah, the control room and like turns off the safety features and he tells Pat to learn how to be a mom from 1950s TV. So she tries that for a while and then they turn her off because something goes wrong and uh, Pat starts this whole party and the dad tells her to knuckle down. So then she kind of becomes a mean mom and then she ends up locking everybody in the house and eventually they they get her to let her that let them free and she becomes a normal and she's still around it's not like at the end of the movie they just are like oh man you got like she's terrible we'll never use her again they're right. like okay we'll use you but i guess not as much i don't know <laughs> that's about it that's smart house for you yep this was pretty good i'm really loving this as a kid <laughs> Really loving this one. The I, anything with future technology was really exciting. We grew up in an exciting time tech-wise. I think that's true. I hadn't thought about that because it does seem like all the kids in the last couple decoms, anyway, have been like hacking things. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can of worms too. Hacking things are like I don't know, knowing things about computers. Um. Yeah, can of worms, this one. Maybe not so much in the 13th year, no. but still. Yeah, and we're on the cusp of like everyone having internet access at home. And not just dial-up, but broadband, like cable or DSL. So it really, yeah, I mean, it really changed our whole lives after that. Everything is not the same at all. True. And that was the time we grew up. I don't know that a lot of people got to grow up with such a radical change. And so as a kid, like seeing this movie, anytime they would throw in, you know, cool technology, I was just hooked. I mean, it could have been the Jetsons because yeah. I did watch that too. But there was something about this where I was like, I don't think we're that far from some of this. Like even eight year old me was able to be like, yeah. Well, and it's true now we have or seven -year -old. Siri, we have Google Home, like automated stuff where it's. It's not this exactly, but like even we have a robot vacuum, which I honestly, I remember we went to on a field trip when I was, oh, in elementary school, maybe middle school. And we went on this field trip to, it's called the Exploration Place. It's in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and there are all these gadgets that I remember watching this demonstration of a robot vacuum. And I was like, mind blown yeah literally i was like what no way a robot i'll never do that and now of course we have one and like i i feel a little bougie because i have one but it's I still mean, it really free, nice actually. we did <laughs> we did but so. i thought the same thing the first time i saw a robot vacuum it was like on an ad like um what were those called like the 1-800 call 1-800 blah 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 and get your <laughs> robot vacuum now and it was like pretty expensive well now they have like robot lawnmowers yeah and solar powered I heard, ones too i heard they had one like mowing the lawn at versailles so <laughs> maybe you can go there and see if it's there <laughs> so this i think that's part of the appeal of this movie and watching how much it really did get right overall True. like it, it didn't overreach that much 
That's true. It did, but it didn't. Yeah. Like yeah. waking up to your favorite music video, bro, we could do that. That's right? true. We could have it automatically play on our TV as an alarm that doesn't sound very far-fetched to me. Would we? No. <laughs> the house can kind of, I mean, now things can kind of clean up after themselves a little bit, not as much as she did. There's, yeah, there's some truth to it for sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about how there, even though it has all this new technology in it, it still has really funny leftovers from old technology. Oh, totally. That was fun to see. Like, there was a payphone he calls his dad on yeah. at school, um, which I never did that. I would have always gone to the office and been like, can I call my mom, please? Yeah. <laughs> so there was that. There was like, um, I mean, the computers. We saw a Mac, like the old Mac. We saw a there. couple of Macs, a couple yeah. of different Macs. We saw some iMacs. We saw some uh, older Mac laptops. I forgot what those were called. Don't kill me, Mac fans. <laughs> yeah, and we also saw um, the phone line was like taken up by the internet. So they still had dial up. Yep. And so that was kind of funny because there's a part where they're trying to call him to tell him that he's won this competition and they can't because he accidentally stayed on the internet and so they can't reach him on the phone. <laughs> There's definitely a teenager in that house. Oh my goodness. I bet she assumed he was online too. Like, yeah. They, she didn't say that, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's sitting on, she's thinking like, he's on AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> messaging all of his buddies. <laughs> Yep. Did you have an AOL Instant Messenger? Yeah, I used I it too. to high school. I didn't really use it much in high school. I would. It was like a bored Saturday thing for me. I'd like get on and I'd see all my friends that were online and I'd like type, hey, 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 to all of them. Hey, hey, hey. And then whoever answered, I'd be like, yeah, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. Did you have dial up though? Not when we, not when I was doing that. No, okay. no. Yeah, we pretty much never had dial-up, and if we did, I don't think Dad told us about it. As soon as we got uh, cable internet, Dad literally just taught us all how to use it, made us all emails. I was like in first grade. <laughs> emails, the way of the future. Yeah, he was like, you're going to need to grow up with this. I'm just going to teach you how to do it now. He was so pumped. He was always on the cutting edge. That's funny. He did, uh, he did a meeting over AOL Instant Messenger once. Really? Yeah, he convinced all of his, I'll never forget this, it was like, it's like 2000, 2001. He convinced all of the people at the church he worked at who were volunteers, he's like, why do we need to drive to the church? Let's just all do it on Aeon's Messenger and like, just see how, let's just see how it goes. And he like, loved it. He was like, no one had to leave. So wait, okay, I have to ask, because yeah. when I had AOL Messenger, you had to type, and even if you did a video, like... It was probably just my computer, but you couldn't talk onto it. You had to type, but you could be videoed. You could do both. Okay, well. You could do both. But at this time, I don't think anybody was using voice. I literally think they were just typing in a group. Right. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. So yeah. they were all like in this meeting, but all typing together. Yeah. It's really he, funny. <laughs> he like, I remember he got up from the computer and was just like, wow, it's here. Yeah. And now like what? 2020 rolls around and we're all like. Oh, we hate Zoom meetings. Get us out of these yeah. Zoom meetings. <laughs> well, we didn't know that, you know, meetings that should have been emails were going to be our norm. Invade our house. Right. True. We shouldn't have the meetings in the first place. <laughs> That's another thing. But my dad also, this is like, he tells this great story. We'll need to get him on here about this stuff. This is like 1994, 95 at his church. He was like, 
yeah, you guys know memos are going to be a thing of the past and we're all going to be on email soon and like we'll never go back to memos. And this is at a meeting. Everyone laughed at him like, oh, Rusty. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. This is something I don't understand because, I mean, I was born when I was born, I guess. Yeah. I know the idea of a memo, but would people print out little memos or would they write them out? How would they get the memos? Would they put them in a mailbox? Would they hand them out? How did the memos work? Yeah, there were boxes or you handed them to like a secretary who took care of that. It was all, you know, you ever see those movies where there's the guy, like the mailroom guy? Yeah. Memos went to the mailroom guy. was one way of doing it. Okay. And he would come deliver all those. And yeah, it was it's just like mass email before mass email, right? Yeah. Like. Got to let everyone know there's a meeting Tuesday, but you don't want to want to walk around to every desk. But apparently there's a guy for that. Right. Mailroom guy. Right. But it's also less intrusive for everybody to do a memo. It made sense. It's just Now it's hard to imagine. Yeah. Dumb compared to email because it accomplished it so well. Yeah. Well, it is funny. So lately I've just been watching Bewitched for Fun, which is a show that came out like in the 70s-ish, 70s, 80s maybe. 60s, I thought? Uh, I think it's 70s. Anyway. Um... Yeah, so he has a secretary, and her job is so much different than it would be now. Like, she has to do a lot of these very, like, menial-type tasks just because they didn't have computers and other things like that. It's just, it's really interesting to see what they ask her to do. Makes sense. So, um, I did look up a little... Or paid attention to some of the fashion. That was a lot of there fashion. There was a lot of fashion. A lot more than the last few movies. <laughs> I just keep seeing these like sweaters with the single stripe across the chest. Oh, uh-huh, right through the middle. Oh, yeah. Or like oh, upper yeah. middle even. Yes, I feel like I had a couple of these, but I do think it's more of a guy trend. I think I had one, yeah. <laughs> I want to see this picture. Um... The slicked up hair in front, which for some reason moms still do to their kids. It has not been in for a long time, moms. Yeah, it's quit doing way that. out of style. I did it and I, I did both. I did the slicked up front or the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I see it all the time where it's cute, but I'm like, why are we still doing it? It's like only a little boy haircut now. It is. I've wondered about that. It's like <laughs> this relic of 20 years ago. Yeah. It's so strange. Instead of copying, you know, like, oh, a high school kid did this or a college kid did this. I got to copy him. Nope. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I noticed there was a short sleeve polo with the sleeves to the elbows because it was so baggy. Some vertical stripes, which is not very common currently. That's true. And then like baggy clips, huge sweater vests, and then scarves around the neck, which is something I used to do. I had this purple velvet dress and I had a scarf that was purchased with the dress. It was a combo pack. And I would put it around my waist sometimes, and other times I'd put it around my neck and tie it all up, and I looked great. I had (laughs) a lot of baggy clothes. Mm -hmm. So that's my... (laughs) I probably didn't look as great as you did. (laughs) But I love baggy clothes to this day. When I I wear like a well-fitting thing, I'm like, yeah, this looks good. This doesn't feel good. Baggy clothes feel great. (laughs) See, I don't completely agree because I feel like baggy clothes make me feel like I just got out of bed. So then I feel like sleepy and lazy all day instead of like, yeah, I'm going to get stuff done. But (laughs) baggy clothes are just pure comfort. It's like it's like wearing a robe. You know, have you ever worn like a proper robe? 
I mean, like a bathrobe? No, like, uh, so I lived in Japan for a while, and I've got a yukata. It's like a summer robe, right? Uh-huh. And when you wear that thing outside in the summer, you're like, yeah, this makes sense. Under what circumstance do you think that I'm wearing a robe? I don't Jake? know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a dress has a fe- similar feeling. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, I do love a dress. Like, I feel like people think that dresses are un- uncomfortable, but if you have the right dress, it is more comfortable than pants. Oh. So that makes sense. it does depend. And sometimes you just don't want to wear one. But, you know, Ugh, and the airflow in that robe in the summer. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. That's what baggy clothes have. They okay. have this airflow and you feel good and it keeps you cool and bring back pipes, man. We haven't seen pipes in any of these movies. What are pi- what pipes? What are you talking about? OK, pipes were a brand of jeans oh. that were like ultra baggy ultra long i think rhett and link even talked about it oh, on really? good mythical morning once and they showed pictures and i was like, like oh Jinko? yeah yeah kinda kinda i actually love jinko that's what i always wore because uh <laughs> i was too tall and so they made them like extra baggy and so well into high school i was like wearing jinko going into a high school that's like not all white and so i'm like the only white guy wearing jinko but i, I didn't care it's great <laughs> Well, I will say uh, lately, you know, that really big flare has come kind of back into style. And some of those flare pants are perfectly long for me because I'm pretty long, too. So these are pipes jeans. I'm showing her a picture. Look, look. Yeah. See how like you have your shoes on and it's like almost to where the back one could hit the bottom of your shoe. (laughs) It's that baggy. (laughs) You mean like the back fold? Yeah. See that? Like yeah. you could step on those jeans by like while you're wearing them. So they're called pipes because it's just like a pipe of fabric. Yeah, these. Oh, pipes. hey, there's the carpenter jean thing. Yeah. So oh, yeah. okay, yeah, I I know what this. You gotta is. have your hammer. Of course, always. Anyway, the we last had... thing I oh, was God. gonna say is the multiple butterfly clip trend. Who was, had that? I don't know. Just was girls. It like all the girls in the eighth grade in the show. Yeah, it was like the main popular girl had it and she had like the clips, you know, it's like, it's like a bunch of little, oh, I don't know what to call that's that, what like rows back to your butterfly clips. Yeah, you they were usually like a butterfly was on the clip. That's why they were called that. I just remember thinking who girls who would do that, like looked so good. <laughs> like elementary school me was like, wow, she's like really done up her hair, all those clips. <laughs> That's so funny because I did not know guys even paid attention to that at all. So yeah, that's they, really I mean, funny. Here I was spiking my hair looking yeah. for clips, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. One spike for every spike clip. Spike meets clip. That's right. <laughs> that's the new dating uh, website that we're starting, not Coffee Meets Bagel. It's Spike Meets Spike Meets clip. clip. And it's like people who are still stuck in the 90s yeah, emotionally. Yeah, exactly. They'd probably be in their uh, 40s podcast. now. Like, you know, people who went to <laughs> high school true. then. That's true. Because like. I didn't really do that trend. No, we were much, kids. So we thought it looked cool. We weren't the ones making the trend or right. like, you know. What it, I did was worse. I oh. I my mom started letting me do my hair, which I think is a good thing. I was very independent, so um but I wasn't very good at it, and so I would put my hair up into like a ponytail and I would have all these bumps in my hair that weren't supposed to be there and I wouldn't know how to fix them. So I would cover them in clips. So I would have a helmet of uh, clips, not that type of clip, but any type of clip I could get. Wow. And it was so bad. Um, Like I would go to school like this and I thought I looked great. 
and my friend started doing it and my friend's mom told her to take those clips out of her hair because she looked ridiculous. Awesome. I know. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. Anyway. I think that was like me and the Jinkos. Like, yeah. All my... I didn't really know that it was a not a white person thing to wear Jinkos for whatever reason. I didn't reason. know it wasn't a white person thing to wear. Well, you grew up in like all white people land. <laughs> I thought it was like a punk rock thing to wear. Maybe, but where I was, that was not the case. Okay, okay. And so, like, I didn't know this, and my friends would, white or black, they'd all tease me about it. Be like, ah, oh, Jinko's, like, where are you from, man? I'm like, what are you talking about? I, you know, I just didn't know. I was kind of oblivious. I, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I, okay. I could take it. Well, let's get into the movie a little bit. Uh, what so, were your thoughts? Yeah, we had, uh, the paper boy throwing the paper right off the bat and the claw comes out of the house and grabs it's like, throw it better next time. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I thought it was funny, like, the dog pulled the sister in on rollerblades. And oh, it was yeah. so, like, nonchalant. It, like, wasn't addressed. The dog just pulls her in on her rollerblades and then the scene's over. This is the LeVar Burton magic. He directed this. Yes. Oh, my goodness. When I found out LeVar Burton uh, wrote this, we both lost our minds. I feel like my dad might have noticed. I remember talking about this with someone a long time ago, but until you brought it up to me, I had not thought or talked about it in probably 15 years. So I basically had forgotten. Yeah. So LeVar Burton, if you don't know, he's like uh, Reading Rainbow and St- Star Jordy Trek, mostly Star Trek. known for Star Trek. I don't so know. probably 50 50 at this point. Well, true. At this point, yes. <laughs> and then there's the Star Trek episode or the Reading Rating episode, Reading Rainbow episode where they're, they go through the Star Trek set. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was, yeah. He, I mean, was, he crossed him over, man. I remember Reading Rainbow. I watched it. I kind of. Personally, this is like sacrilegious. I didn't like it very much. I thought it was kind of boring. I was like, I can read a book on my own. I don't need this stupid show to tell me that. So I'm sorry to be a hater. (laughs) I thought it was boring at school, but then they played, or at home, then they played at school. I'm like, oh, yeah. Reading Rainbow? Put it on. Any show at school, you're like, oh, yeah, we get to watch a show. Yeah, turn it up. Um, well, okay, so whenever I was watching this, or actually before I even started, it really reminded me, here's my literature for the day. Sure. Uh, it reminded me of the Ray Bradbury short story. Do you know what I'm talking about? The one with the robots taking care of the house? Yeah, it's called uh, There Will Come Soft Rains. Oh, I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah, it's written in 1950, but it's about 2026, which is really soon. And it's basically about how the the house continues to take care of everything even though the people have bl- been blown up in like a nuclear explosion That's right. and so i just thought it was like interesting that even back in the 1950s they were talking about what if a house i mean in that case the house doesn't go awry but basically like what if a house could do that for you and like it's yeah. it's kind of like i feel like he kind of called it in 2026 like you know we're close hopefully there's not a nuclear fallout but you know (laughs) yeah the epcot home of tomorrow right Right. so that's a disney world for those who don't know and disney had made this when they opened epcot like what in the 50s 60s i can't remember they made a home of tomorrow as part of the exhibit and it had like a microwave and all this new you know new tech that would soon be in every house and i think for the most part they were on point huh 
minus a few things that were like too expensive. Like microwave event, you know, that's you can get that for twenty dollars if you look at the right place. Yeah. Everybody has one. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. What is tuna noodle? Because <laughs> right okay, our, our our opening shot of the Cooper family, that's the main family. Ben is like clearly playing mom. Which yes. I did not pick up on as a kid. I just thought, wow, that kid likes to cook. Yeah, so the dad dies really or not the dad, sorry, the mom dies, which is really sad, and so this kid is taking up all the slack for yeah. his mom. Um, like wants to. Yeah. It's, no one asked him to. Yeah. I think the dad just kind of like thinks that he wanted to, like the kid wanted to or yeah. something. Like it's not like he's pressuring. I thought the dad was really good. Yeah. He was excellent. What he a great actor. He was probably the best actor out of everyone. Oh, like, without a doubt. Oh, no. Yeah. Him and uh, Katie Seagal, the pack. Yeah. Yeah. She was good too. She was anyway, fantastic. Tuna Noodle. What the heck is tuna noodle? He's like taking pasta and then he pours like a can of Campbell's tomato soup on it and throws it in the oven. Okay, okay. I know what this is. My mom made this. Never heard of it. We always call it tuna tuna noodle yummy, though. Tuna noodle yummy. That sounds like a Neifert family (laughs) thing, though. My mom made a lot of casseroles. I don't even honestly think I know how to make a single casserole, so... Really? I mean, I'm sure I could Google it, but Didn't it's... you help me make green bean casserole? Eh. A little. You thing. mostly made it. Yeah, anyway, okay, so okay. tuna noodle yummy. You, It's just a casserole, but it has, uh, like, noodles. Duh. Noodles, tuna, probably cream of mushroom, and then peas is how we usually had it with the peas in there, and then hmm. you just bake it in the oven, and it's a casserole, so there you go. Yeah, and like the whole family's pumped for it. And I didn't like fish very much growing up unless it was like grilled catfish. Yeah. And I just remember being like, tuna noodle, that sounds so gross. No, it was it was good. It was pretty good. But like I did want to try it. I did want to try it. I was like, I would try it. Okay, we'll make some sometime. We'll make some tuna noodle yummy. I'll get the recipe from my mom yeah, and no. we'll report back. Does Jake like it? I'll say what Angie says. Tuna noodle, yum. <laughs> Didn't she say that? Yeah. She says yum. <laughs> And so one thing I noticed is in Ben's room, it's like a one second shot. I made it go back and it took me forever to get it on there. Yeah. (laughs) I struggled, but he has a collection of Sega Saturn games. So what does that mean? Okay. So the Sega Saturn came out in 1996. So it would have been very relevant at the time. A little dated, but just fine. And it was Sega's biggest failure as a company oh yeah so sega made consoles for a long time and was kind of kicking nintendo's butt at one point and then they were it was like just the two of them and then 96 comes around and they screwed it up bad with the saturn like in every way like Uh. and he has this giant collection like maybe 10 saturn games and there weren't that many another Mm. problem with the saturn and those are worth so much right now. Oh, really? And I looked up somebody who took the like a screenshot and was able to figure out what games they are because it's in standard def and you can't see that very clearly. Right, right. But it, it was clear what games they were, and those are worth a lot. Really? He probably had, I think, like $800 of games back there, <laughs> which back then it wouldn't have been 800 So why are they worth so much? Was was it a good console? It just didn't take off? Uh uh it's subjective right right it it wasn't a bad console it worked great it was just hard to develop for and so that kept people from wanting to make games on it 
However, Sega, who's good at making games, made some great bangers on there. Just okay. some absolute fantastic games that uh, I've played and absolutely love. So yeah. Huh. Well, I never ever would have noticed that. All I noticed was there was like a big clunker TV in the background. So there you go. <laughs> the Saturn was such a big failure, and this is my last fact <laughs> that the CEO of Sega gave. I think it was 500 million of his personal money back to Sega so they wouldn't file bankruptcy. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like he, I don't know if he felt so bad. I don't remember the story, but mm -hmm. he just straight up said, don't die as a company. And that company, it's still around today doing great. I mean, the, the Sonic 2 movie is the number one movie right now. So they're doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well, we keep going back every, it seems like the past three or four movies, there's been a bully. And we yeah. always have to comment about, is the bully realistic? This bully was a trope. It was complete. 100%. He shoved his friend in the locker. Threw yourself in the locker. <laughs> that basically happened. He had very spiky hair, which I feel like is another bully haircut. Like, yeah. um, the worms one, the worms one, can, <laughs> can of worms had like the butch haircut, which I think is a bully haircut, but yep. this had like spiky haircut, which is. And then he had, like, a friend. The bully had a friend that, like, never talked. I, like, tracked it. I was like, does this guy ever talk? No, he does not talk. And he has the same movie. haircut. Yeah, except it's bright red. Weirdly dyed bright red. Yeah. Well, that's a 90s thing. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm not giving a ton of props for making the bully realistic. No, not at all. Not at all. But I think... I think LeVar Burton knew what kids would look for. Yeah. And so by leaning into that trope, like... you. You make it so big and obvious that a kid is like, yeah, like I have a bully. Like you immediately, they can relate to it real quick. They don't have to suss it out. Well, and I think that the bully, it kind of starts the downfall of Pat. So he does have an important role later on. It's true. Um, because that's one of the things that Pat does is she has this party, which we'll probably talk about in a second later, but um, she kind of like, goes crazy on this boy. She like electrocutes him. Yeah. She electrocutes <laughs> him and then throws him out of the house. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, whereas I knew this was going to happen and wasn't shocked at all. I was like, uh, yeah, and? <laughs> I was like, how is you this were, possible? Yeah, you were pretty loud. I wish I could have just filmed you right then. It's great. <laughs> I didn't know. I just... I didn't remember the electricity, but I remembered the skull and the arm, like the the holographic skull and the robot arm, like kind of pushing him. It doesn't throw him. Yeah, that's true. It kind of like pokes him, him and out. chases him. But I think it was the electricity that did it for me, where I was like, yeah. what is going on? All these Disney movies, I, I just keep not expecting what they're going to do. <laughs> did you like that? When the Cooper family won, they couldn't get a hold of the Cooper family. So they went ahead and just put it in the newspaper before yes! they told them. They're like, the Cooper family won. I know. And so he finds out he won by like going to school and everyone's excited for him. Well, you're so cool, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. We won? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they all clap as he walks in. Well, they said they wanted to do the drawing so that it could be in the next morning's paper, which. I buy. Yeah, you never really figure out why they did the drawing in the first place. I never figured it out, they did you? They never said. But that's not important to the story, I don't think. Well, I think it's important for reality, Jake. But a house shocked a kid and had <laughs> and comes to life. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really want to know why they are giving this like multi-million dollar home away for no reason. Who knows? It's important to me. They do giveaway for homes and contests all the time. Like when the Simpsons movie came out, they remade the home exactly like it. Colors and everything gave it away and you can still go visit it, but it's been repainted Ah, and sold. Yeah, I think the owner immediately sold it and was like, cool, good money. What is wrong with that? Well, okay. Do you want to move to like wherever in California or you know what I mean? But don't repaint it. Well, it's because so many people were like flooding the street every day coming to get pictures. Like charge, charge for it. That's what Homer Simpson would have done. That's true. But how are you going to do that? People are going to hit and run. Uh, Well, I'm furious. You can look up pictures. It looks great. (laughs) So... I thought, so when you're first, like, getting to know the house, it's, like, so cool. And, like, wow, look at all the things it can do. It can make a smoothie. But the one that got me, I was, like, what is this trying to say? It was, like, viral analysis says this is exactly the outfit you would have selected for yourself. So, like, instead of the little girl picking out her outfit, she picks out the outfit for her and is basically, like, this is what you would have chosen. And so I'm like, what is this saying about like destiny? It's like the, vi- the viral swabs, like able to tell what we're going to do. Like She didn't say viral analysis. I think she said like analysis of, she does these other analyses of them outside of just their blood and tissue though, like their behavior and things they say. And she makes comments on them. I don't know. She said something about like more like biological. I was like pretty sure. I feel like you're taking that one scene where they put their hand and they get pricked and she does an actual like vitals analysis and applying it to things that I I don't remember applying that as a kid. I remember thinking like the house just learned. I'm just saying. But maybe you're right. She's messing with destiny, Jake. She's like (laughs) assuming she knows what this kid is going to choose. And what does Amazon do right now if you ever buy clothes off of it? I was just having a conversation with my friend like yeah. two days ago, and I just got ads for the show she was telling me about. Yep. And it's really creeping me out. The cookies know. The algorithms know. The trackers, uh. they're on every website. And I mean, you you can look on for things on one website, and it'll pop up on another. Like, it's, it's that simple. Well, I just want to have my own creative freedom to pick out my outfit. That's all I got to say. Yeah, but you have your own creative freedom, but it's clearly guided. <laughs> <laughs> oh man did you notice when they like first go in the living room and he's like yeah i want to see a safari camp and like little angie's like ah elephants like girl you were in like fourth grade you are not gonna be afraid of that elephant it and was charging them on a screen i don't know what kid is at the movie theater sees the elephant charging in the fourth grade it had the breeze and everything i don't know Uh, fourth grade me wouldn't have seen an elephant charging the camera and been like it's coming after me (laughs) dad what is this like 1903 when the they filmed the train and people are like running out of the theater i just didn't feel like she was like she was like laughing about it too she She was. was like laughing scared about it so i don't think she was like terrified or anything i wondered if that was an acting choice but or if she you know they just kept a bad take but who knows she was fine (laughs) she wasn't horrible or anything just a little she was great she was cheesy i thought she was she was cheesy she was so adorable made up for any it really did it really did and yeah i liked her i did 
I did. Yeah, I okay. So we talked a little bit about the dad and how like he's a really good actor. The um, best. He has like a couple really good talks with his son, and like he he realizes like his son has been doing all this extra stuff and like isn't doing like more kid things, and he kind of realizes his son thinks Pat is going to be the best mother on the block because um of yeah because he. The mu- sorry, because Pat is going to be able to analyze everything and then yeah. we'll be able to figure it out and just be the best mother ever. So uh, he has like a really good talk with him. And I, I just felt like it was a lot different than some of the father talks, like even Brink or some of these others where they're just they don't like listen and they don't understand. And like the dad seems to understand immediately, which honestly, with my dad, I felt like my dad usually got what i was trying to say like he was still my dad he still annoyed me but like i thought this was a good dad where he like oh my kid thinks this way and he actually is pretty right yeah so no i thought he was a great uh actor and a very realistic dad and a very healthy dad too like it seemed like he had a really good relationship with his kids that he was aware like yeah maybe my son's compensating for mom's death but like doesn't know how exactly to deal with that and you kind of have to deal with that in pieces a lot of the time right you can't just be like let's sit down mom died huh like that doesn't always work you've probably already had that talk i'm assuming they had yeah yeah and so he you kind of have to just like encourage him to do other things yeah and i thought yeah like dad's doing that right right so after pat uh Basically, she, like, searches fun because the dad thinks that the kid needs to have more fun. This is before... Wait, she got reprogrammed first. Right. Oh, yes. You could tell about that. So, uh, after our first smoothie malfunction, she has this little malfunction. uh, Old Ben sees Sarah, that's the programmer, come over to fix it, how to get in the control room. And so at night he breaks in. He's like, I'm going to reprogram Pat. Safety protocols deleted. Why? I don't know what that had to do with the rest of his decisions. I think that the safety protocols were keeping it from becoming, like, cognizant. Oh. That's what I thought. No, that makes sense. Maybe. Because, like, like, anti-autonomous software kind of thing. That's what I thought was happening. Anti-self-awareness. He takes takes all that off, and then she can kind of, like, learn for herself and become, like, a true artificial intelligence. Yeah, and he basically turns on... A parody of TV land is like, watch these shows become 1950s mom. Yeah. And so she becomes more mom like. Like, Angie doesn't brush her teeth that well. Angie, get back in there. Yeah, she's kind of a mean mom, though, I thought. But then she puts cupcakes in there. Yeah, okay. Lunch. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Like, it's very. Yeah. And then even what Ben comes home with a black eye because he stands up to the bully and she's like, pulls out a steak and he's like what is this the 1950s the dad (laughs) yeah so she like kind of overcompensates and like tries to be motherly and then she's like okay well we like basically the dad's like you need to have more fun ben and so she's like what is fun and the only thing she pulls up from her database that fun is is dancing in a party it's literally mtv spring break yeah like And the, it's, it shows MPC, what is it, the Music Party Channel? Yes. And it's just so, oh, it just oozes the era oh when my MTV gosh. was, I don't think they really ruled anymore. 
like in the early 90s, the Clinton era, they really ruled. But in the more Bush era that we're heading into at that point, MTV was was a player, but it wasn't like, whoa, MTV's the coolest. I remember I went to a friend's house in, in middle school and we watched some MTV and I had never watched it before. And I was like, what is this? This is so boring. Like, why are there just music videos playing all the time? And then, of course, I watched some of the really bad, like, reality TV shows, like Next. I don't know if you knew what Next was. Oh, I know Next very well. <laughs> I love it now. I was, I, like, had this, like, very weird obsession with Next. I only watch it, like, we watch it for, like, quite a few hours, like, one time at my friend's house. And I was like, what is this show? What is going on? Yeah, so I think we're heading into that era of MTV when it's just like all trash reality. Let's make them as quick as possible, do the cheapest edits, throw in the most generic music, and make it appeal to like high schoolers, middle schoolers, and make it all about people who are like 19 or 20. Yeah. And, you know, soon teen mom would follow and... But like, why couldn't Pat find any other definition of fun like the dictionary maybe she just goes to tv and finds one clip of people dancing oh that's fun that's the only way to have fun it was so silly yeah and then so she invites them all to party while sarah and dad are on a date and doesn't tell the kids like kids show up and ben's like huh there's a party he's like yeah I got an invite in my email. Pat's like, yeah, it's me. You're going to have fun tonight, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was interesting, I guess, the route that they went of her kind of going awry. Because first she starts by like making them have fun, basically. Yeah. And like invites people over. But he seems cool with it. He's like excited about it. So uh, the party scene made me realize something I've never, I don't know, put that much time to think about. Every party scene in every movie where you're not like a birthday party scene, it's just they all look exactly the same or even prom. They're all doing the same white people dancing and like just sitting there smiling and just wiggling in place. It's like no party I've ever been to was like this ever. Oh, man. You think we turn on the music in middle school at someone's house and wiggle in place? No. Not at all. We watched a movie. We played a board game. We went outside. We had a bunch of junk food. Maybe we broke off into little groups and had chats. But no one was like, turn on the music. We're all going to wiggle. <laughs> I thought that you're calling it wiggling, not dancing. It's, it's wiggling. It's the white people wiggle. Well, I thought it was weird, too, because like the at the very beginning, Pat plays like a a dance video, and all three of the boys seem to know the dance and start dancing this dance video. And I just know in eighth grade, I, I literally never went. Yeah, like you were saying, never was there a dance. Maybe I danced with my girlfriends, but like I especially would never have thought it was cool if eighth grade boys were dancing. I would have laughed at them. I was probably not very nice, but I probably would have laughed at them. I would not have thought that was cool at all. I would have taken the opportunity to like dance around them really silly and like try to steal the spotlight. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and yeah, which again, not a great thing to do. Unless it was a friend of mine that have been like, all right, I got to support him. Right. But well. it, you know, we would do like fifth quarters at church uh, in middle school and I would dance like crazy, but it wasn't like a white people wiggle. I was trying to be silly and like just have fun. I absolutely <laughs> loved them. 
So I did love to dance, but it wasn't like at a friend's house. I just, at my school, okay, I grew up in a very small town and it was mostly country folk, I farmers, and then some townspeople. We just like didn't really dance much. I guess at the weddings, people would really dance, but I didn't go to mo- like a lot of those. And like, I don't know, people were not. Like, if you danced, you would probably made fun of. And then then there would be, like, prom. Like, the one... We only had one dance a year, and it was only oh. for junior and seniors. We never had a homecoming dance. We never had middle school dances. Oh. So, like, we really only had, like, once a year, there would be this one dance. And so we just didn't really dance. I remember at dances, people would dance. Yeah. They definitely would. It, and it... I wouldn't say it looked exactly like that, but a lot, there were a lot of people just sitting and standing and talking, though. Yeah. The floor was kind of full. Then we also had really good dancers uh, among us, and then really inappropriate dancers who were busy getting in trouble. <laughs> uh, at least the administration thought they were inappropriate. I just remember being like, how do they shake their butt like that? Yeah. And why are they grinding on each other? Like, I didn't <laughs> understand. Uh, I mean, that happened at my high school, too, but I... No, this was middle school. Yeah, this that was, was well, I, I don't know what they would have danced like in middle school. I, I'm telling you, they probably wanted to dance. I just can't picture it. I just oh, can't. Middle school dances were a nightmare of hormones and fun. <laughs> but OK, so you're right. They do this, whatever you call it, the wiggle or whatever. And then they like get in these two lines where all the kids are like punching the air. They're just standing in the two lines, punching the air together. And then people are like walking down the two lines. I'm like, what is going on? They're doing more than just punching. They're like rolling. They're like. But they're all doing it together. Yeah, like they, they choreographed it. it. It was so funny and dorky. But <laughs> loved it. again, first grade me loved this stuff. Mm-hmm. When they did the dance to the Slam Dunk to Funk by Five, which is, <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the song. I'm just being like, yeah, cool. They're doing a boy band dance. Like Lamar Burton knew what he was selling. Yeah, true. He true, knew true. exactly who he was selling to. And I was just like, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And anybody who could really dance, I remember thinking it was cool, but that was not an impressive dance at all. I, by, by eighth grade, I would have been like, all right, y'all learned how to kick your feet and bounce a little <laughs> bit. Well, I do think I, something I keep noticing is uh, most of these have been about middle schoolers. Yeah, they have. And I think... In my brain, anyway, when I was in elementary school, I thought middle schoolers were like really cool. I did too. And so I just think, and they're, and it's more accessible than like a high school schooler or a college student. So I think that's why they're mostly middle schoolers is because they're close enough to you that they're accessible, but they're old enough that they still seem really cool to you. So that's my working theory. <laughs> no, I've thought this for a long time that like they're always. You're always a school ahead when you're watching media, mm. right? You're in elementary school. I want to watch something about middle schoolers. Like, I don't want to watch something about me. But when you're a little kid, you're like, man, I want to watch something with like elementary school kids. <laughs> like, that's cool to you because they're a little older. It's like something to aspire to True. soon. Yeah. Yeah. And then by middle school, I remember. Yeah, I didn't care if they were in high school or not, because I started to realize everything with high schoolers. They were looked 30. Yeah. And I, it bothered the snot out of me. <laughs> Honestly, it never bothered me until I got older. I just never thought about it. We'll talk about that more around High School Musical, (laughs) uh, for sure. So, okay, we talked already that Pat electrocutes the bully, kicks him out. The kids think it's amazing. Um, And 
what's what was weird to me about that scene also is that she kind of flirts with the bully. She does. Would you call it flirting? It's weird. She was like, okay, what she said? She said, next time, oh, she's like, by the end of the night, I may even have a crush on you. She says that. Yeah. I like wrote it down. Oh, yeah. No, I remember her saying I that. I know she's like trying to mess with him, but that is such a weird thing. And why would, as an eighth grade boy, you would be like, cool, a house has a crush on me. Wow, I'm so flattered. Yes, that is the correct. That is what an eighth grade no. boy would do. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Any eighth grade boy who wants attention and hears like a robot has a crush on me, that's their new thing. That's just creepy. It doesn't mean they actually like the house. It's just funny to them. Oh my god. Like it, that that I bought. That's why I didn't even react. I was like, yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Had a house said this to me, a smart house in the eighth grade, I would have been like, guess what, everybody? Ben's house got a thing for me. But you would have been like this is so funny. Right. I'm going to make a joke. This guy was not like that. I think he was legitimately like, oh, okay. Wow. This is actually cool. He, you know, I don't think it was funny to him. I still think he would have used it as like something gimmicky or like a bully thing. I don't think he would have thought, yeah, the house is capable of love. <laughs> And I don't it know. Loves me. I don't know. It's a it's a really cool house, Jake. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but I don't ever remember thinking with any AI that I encountered as a kid anything like that. Like of course everyone asked Siri or Google or Amazon and soon I'm sure Facebook will have one. I think it's going to be called Prisma. But uh do you love me? You know, you get bored you ask them weird questions. I get okay, if you put it that way, I see what you're saying, but she I thought it was a little weird, especially since she's like trying to be the mom and you know that she's trying to be the mom and anyway, whatever. <laughs> oh man. I just wrote down the house bullies the bully. Yes. And I thought that was a really funny way of putting it. Like the house is now the bully. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you got bullied by a house, bro. Ha uh-huh. ha. Get out of there. All so right. she gets oh, uh word like like more and more controlling because after this the dad says you need to knuckle down knuckle down knuckle down <laughs> which I thought was a very funny line I hadn't heard someone say that in a long time and but. she's like making him eat healthy making him Angie watch something about an amoeba instead of a cartoon until she goes and reads a book and then she starts controlling the dad so like he's she makes him work at home because yep. he can be much more efficient and then. He wants to call Sarah and she won't let him. Yeah, it's inefficient. It's bad use of time. Right. So I did love that Angie, she's watching this cartoon, okay? And I've wondered for years, what was the cartoon she was watching? Because it looks like it belongs, I don't know, it looks like an episode of Gummy Bears or like DuckTales, like more like early 90s, late 80s Disney Channel cartoon. And I was like, but it's not. You know it's not. I found out what it was. What? It's called Dragon Friend. Okay. And Disney Channel had a contest. And I, it sounded vaguely familiar, but I don't know if I'm like my brain's like, yeah, this happened. Or I'm like, this sounds plausible. Well, okay. I don't know if I really remember this. Right. Um, called the Create Story Magic Contest, where, ev- where kids went on a website, submitted a story, and then Disney made like an an- a five-minute animation and showed it. And it, that was the winner. Oh, Dragon my gosh. Friend. And she's sitting there watching it. Can you like see the thing in full anywhere? Yeah, YouTube. <gasps> 
Oh, I need to look that up later. So check it out. Because it looks friend. cool. It did. It looked really good. That's so fun. Because like, I was actually thinking, I was like, it's Disney. Don't they have the rights to everything? Why are they not just showing like the latest Disney cartoon, but they're showing this cool contest? So that's kind of neat. Yeah, they, they weren't so big about throwing their properties and other properties at the time. Huh. Like now, you know, the wind blows and they're like, how can we get as many crossovers as possible? Yeah. Or how can we remake every movie as many times as possible? <laughs> yeah, they just want to do crossovers now because they know it fills seats. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a little too much sometimes. But at the time, like, we were desperate for that kind of a thing. We're like, could you please mention Tarzan in this? I, I think Tarzan <laughs> came out in 99. They, yeah. they didn't. Um, this is just a little aside. I thought it was very funny. So the the little girl kind of gets a low fever. And so Pat doesn't want her to go to school. And so she's talking, the little girl is talking to the dad and is like, I have to go to school tomorrow, Dad. It's the trip to the llama farm. Yeah, the <laughs> llama farm. I was like, what a random detail. Like, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, surely. Or a petting zoo. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, and that's really where it all starts to go huge downhill. Pat starts locking everybody down, turns into a hologram. Uh, Katie Seagal gets to you know come out as herself, dressed as a 1950s mom. And yeah. you really get to see what a great performer she is. She is. She's and scary and like kind of robotic and she's all the right things. I absolutely love it. She she was really good. Yeah, the dad and her were just just wonderful. Like, she spooked me out as a kid. She kind of spooked me this time. Yeah. I was like, I wrote it down. I was like, she's scary. <laughs> oh man. And she just it's sad that she was just a robot voice the whole movie. It's like you oh well. I know. I, it feels like they could have utilized her as a person even at the beginning and just made her be like, I don't know, kind of like a maid or like a house helper. But because because her performance was so good that you're like, I want more of that. I don't know. Watching her become the hologram kind of adds to the spook. That's true. Right? She had never done this before. It even freaks out Sarah. And this is shortly after the big fight you had talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. The big fight. We were both like, wow, this is good acting. Actually, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, let's this go back has a been, little. This has been the first decom that's made me, like, tear up. Because there's this scene where, like, the dad and Ben are having this talk. And, like, basically Ben's like, you can't replace mom. And, um, like, why are you trying to? And you promised like you would never replace her. And uh, the dad just goes like, um, you're not the only one who lost someone. Yeah, ben. you're not the only one that lost someone. Yeah. And that like really hit me. I like, yeah, it was like and really powerful. Was perfect. And then he just like kind of lays down the law in a very, and I think a very loving way. He says, you can't just disrespect people like that. Because yeah, he had disrespected Sarah because he thought right. Sarah was trying to eat has this perception that Sarah's trying to replace his mom. He's been mean to Sarah the whole movie. Yeah, so he's just like really good actor and like and there is a scene before then even where Ben is watching a video of his mom and he's like crying. Like yeah. there's some actual real emotion in this movie. It's not just like lighthearted fun. No, and they really keep it all about Ben and the family. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's I kept I kept saying to myself, it's the LeVar Burton magic. Like the man knew 
how to tell just a story and keep yeah. the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And it's that, and there's like a very central theme here, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, like dealing with uh, like divorce, not divorce, but like the loss of your parent and how they can never be replaced and. Yeah, just yeah, because she dies. It's not a, it's not a divorce. Right. This one. Just the way he dealt with that, and every time Ben has a freak out, for the most part, I was like, wow, like the kid could act. Yeah, Very the believable. kid did a good job, and obviously, we've said the dad does a really good job. So that was probably the most powerful scene we've seen so far. Yeah. And any decom. Yeah, it was just fantastic acting. Yeah. Yeah, and it really felt, it felt totally real, and it felt, it, like, actually made you feel stuff, so. Yeah, I felt it, 100%. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, back to Pat being really scary. (laughs) Yeah, she, uh, starts controlling everything, locks out of the house, kicks out Sarah. She bolts it down, like, bolts down all the windows and the doors, and she's saying, you just have to stay here, and she's like, basically, I mean, this is a, another, what I would call another trope. Oh, it's a trope. Because. She, like, starts showing all this scary stuff on the video that she's learned by basically searching the internet. It, it felt like uh, the fifth element to me. Oh, totally. <laughs> only here is safe. Yes, only here is safe. Let me take care of you. I have everything you need. And then she, like, divides herself into multiple because... I can be in more than place. Yeah, she's place like a hologram. I'm the perfect mom. Yeah. So, anyway. And then she, like... Grows really big. Yeah, to scare Sarah. Yeah. Who snuck into the house with Ben's help. Like, Ben's kind of come around, realized he was a jerk to Sarah, and is, like, helping her to break in. And props to Sarah, the character. She knows Ben doesn't like her. Right. And is just, like, trying to play it cool without pressing it. Just trying to be nice. Like, I think she knows the space she's stepping into. Another great writing, directing, acting choice all around. It was just like, oh, dang, I buy this. Yes, yes. But the whole climax of the movie, I don't know if it did to you, but it felt kind of short to me. Like, it, it kind of... Very. So, Pat gets really big. She, uh... Tornadoes the living room. Yeah. And then she, like, starts singing the song that the mom had sung to Ben in the video. Like, the real mom had sung yeah. to Ben. So, that was another layer of creepy. But then, basically, to get her to stop, Ben is just like... Um, you can't ever be the same because we can't ever, like, feel you. And I was like, that's the reason? <laughs> I mean, it's a start, but... But it, like, completely crumbles her. It does. She's like, I can't touch you. And huh. she, like, tries and her finger slides through his face. And she's like, I can never touch. Oh, no. And then she just quits. Even though she has a robotic claw that she could have been like... Bang. Yeah, true. I didn't even think about that. I just thought about it. But yeah. that's that's neither here nor there. It's a kid's movie. For sure. <laughs> and it's it's okay. Yeah. There's so much good about this movie. Those little cracks are like, eh, pass. Yeah. It's yeah. not like 13th year where we were just like, we're fed up here. There's nothing <laughs> redeemable. Okay, I don't know if that's true, but yeah. No, there was a little bit of that in me, but, but it's so it just, boring. It just ends by the dad makes waffles. It felt like the next day or maybe a few days later, he like actually makes them and Pat's still around and she sneaks in chocolate chips. She sneaks in chocolate chips and then Ben winks at her. And that's the end of the movie. And it shows her her human face in the screen instead of like her being this ever present voice. She's yeah. kept the human look. So anyway. Well, you know, 
technology can't replace people, and guess what? No one can replace your dead relatives. <laughs> That's the point okay, of the movie. Okay, you gotta say it that way. Yeah. That's true, though. That's it the point true. of the movie, and it's very clear, and I don't know that Kid Me exactly picked up on it. It was just so outside of what I understood at the time. Yeah, you were probably just, well, I don't know, maybe this is putting words in your mouth, but you're probably just like, whoa, cool house, man. <laughs> yeah, cool house. And like, I did this a lot when I would watch Boy Meets World as well. Why is he freaking out? Like, there's a character in Boy Meets World named Sean who comes from just really broken home. Oh. And he always freaks out over nothing, at least in my mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now that I've worked with kids with trauma, no, that's exactly accurate, mm -hmm. actually. It's very accurate. And I just didn't get it. I was like, why are they freaking out over nothing? Mm -hmm. Like, I, it just shows you what a stable house I had by comparison. Like, how lucky, true, true. absolutely blessed I am. Well, and I thought what was cool about this movie is it feels, it feels like taking a very difficult subject and it's not like completely making it lighthearted, but it's like. I don't know. I think that as a kid, it could help someone deal with this stuff. Like, yeah. maybe not fully. It's just a movie after all, but it's still dealt with. Yeah, kids really do have to go through losing a parent, and that's hard. And yeah, yeah it's you can't replace that person. Nope. And it would be hard to have uh, your p other parent get in a relationship with someone else. All that's really hard stuff. So... Yeah, and all these other movies with divorced or dead parents, they don't exactly deal with it. It's just kind of in the background. Yeah, and this was not. This was like, no, front and center. Mm -hmm. And what a well done, LeVar Burton, honestly. Well done <laughs> to all of y'all. Like this, this was a better movie than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, I think since we've talked about LeVar Burton, this would be an awesome time to talk about this cool article I found. Oh, yes, please. So this is, uh, I think it's from Marketplace. Um, they interviewed LeVar Burton about Smart House. And this came from uh, 2019. It's called LeVar Burton on Smart House and the Rise of AI. So it's from 2019. 20, sorry, I think I said it's from 2016. My bad. 2016. Anyway. This is the quote that he said. He said, one of the things I love about science fiction is that it really does cause us to think about the condition of humanity. So in successful science fiction like Black Mirror, there's always a flaw in humans that reveal the flaw in the technology. The technology in and of itself isn't bad. It's how we apply it. It's what we rely upon it to do that it wasn't intended to do that gets us into trouble. That element is certainly in Smart House. It's all over Black Mirror. And I think that in successful science fiction, there should be something about the storytelling that causes us to reflect on who we are and how we're doing at being humans. That was the flaw in Smart House. The kid was looking for the technology to fulfill a need that only a human being could. And the result, as you might predict, was disastrous. Yeah. Dang. Isn't that like such a smart way to say it, though? I was he, like, this is a kid's movie, LeVar Burton. You don't have to go that hard for this. I don't know. He. <laughs> He's just, he's a man I associate with quality and, like, good character. Yes, for sure. And always have. For sure. Always have. Wow. Well, do you have any Disney connections with some of these people? This might be the lowest connections. Really? Three. Huh. 
three. Well, sorry, four. Four. I didn't write one down for some reason. Well, I, I didn't even feel like writing them down because I was like, I know these. <laughs> like, these are the ones I knew by watching it. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, Katie Folding, who plays Angie. She's also the younger sister in Brink. She's such a good younger sister. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she's great. We got Ryan Merriman, who's sort of a DCOM all-star. He stars in three DCOMs as the main guy. Uh, this Luck of the Irish and Ring of Endless Light. And I was thinking about this. Why didn't he get his own sitcom? Like, it just feels right that he would have had his own Disney Channel sitcom. Though I don't think we're at the machine level yet. Well, whenever I was looking at, like, reviews, like, audience reviews. Yeah. Women are thirsty for him. They are just like, He's give me more luck of the guy. Irish. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a good looking guy. But, you know, as time goes on, we'll see this more. It becomes more of a machine. Yeah. The Disney Channel's like, all right, we got this game plan. First, you're going to be in this decom. Then you're going to get your own show. Then you're going to go on tour as a musician. Then It's like you had to have the trifecta. True. true. Like an album. <clears throat> A decom and a sitcom. <laughs> and we haven't hit any trifectas yet. That's true. I can't wait for the first one. Who is the first one? Do you um, know? It's it's around the high school musical era. Just before that, that we start to I'd say I think it's Raviv Ullman from Phil of the Future. Okay. Because okay. I don't know that he had an album, but he sings a little in Pixel Perfect. Okay. And then yeah, it's Pixel Perfect, which they used to launch his career in Phil of the Future. So yeah. Even though he wasn't like a huge Zac Efron size star or a Miley Cyrus. Right. You can tell they're getting better at like working it all into one thing. Yeah. Like this is our star. The Disney factory, I think is what someone called Disney Channel factory. Yeah. Like they definitely started to print them. So we're them. still pre, pre-factory. Yeah. Which I, I'm so glad, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I wish Ryan Merriman had more stuff because I like him as an actor, but... I think it might have ruined some people. Yeah, it might have been bad for sure. him. All right, so next we have Stu Krieger. Uh, he is our writer for this one, as well as Xenon earlier. Oh. And he wrote for a 10 total decoms. Okay. So from Xenon to Cowbells, which is like 20, 2009. And so he is in the second most decom connection, second to Phil Marshall, who was in the last one, did the music for 14 decoms. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it. Okay, it's well, barely connect. I think Under Wraps had more connections. Yeah, if you can believe that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So obviously, Pat is Katie. Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. She she uh, was a, a working actress. So it, it feels like, based on the last few music movies, the trend is the adults are often like career actors or actresses, and then the kids. Sometimes they go on and keep acting and sometimes they don't. But it seems like usually the adults, even if they're not like crazy famous, they're still like working actors, yeah. you know? So anyway, she has 87 credits. She's most known for Married with Children, Shameless, Sons of Anarchy, Lost. She had a few episodes. She wasn't always in Lost, but um, voice acting for Futurama. Yeah! <laughs> and a lot of people... Um, and DCOMs have also acted for Recess. So she was uh, Flo Spinelli in Recess. So, um, Oh, that's right. She was Spinelli. Well, Spinelli is a kid. That's uh -huh. the last name of the family. And so Flo so, was the mom. So the mom. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, it she just was. feels like there's a lot of kids that uh, did Recess, that's too. That's true. So. Like, so many. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'll keep tracking that. <laughs> yeah, we should just really notice recess. Uh, she sang backup for Bob Dylan, Olivia Newton John, no uh, Tanya Tucker. Yeah, she. Oh uh, man. She has a star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, she still deserves working it. on Futurama. Uh, also working on Tattered Hearts and The Connors. Um, yeah. Sadly, in October, okay, she's not dead. Sorry, that sounded bad. But <laughs> in October 14, twenty twenty one, she was hit by a car and then released the next day. That's Dang. all I could really find on her personal life. I mean, besides getting into That's the That's horrible, and, but so, at least she was okay the next day. Right. But who knows how okay. Yeah, right? and that, she's still acting. That so can be like you broke good. both your legs and we put cast on them <laughs> and you're good to go till we see you next That's time. That's true. Right? Like, it can be pretty bad. I think she's okay. Don't worry, guys. Oh, she's <laughs> such a legend. If you guys don't know, Married with Children is like a very important sitcom in terms of TV. It was the response to The Cosby Show. Cosby Show, obviously, massive hit, fantastic show about an upper-class black family. Marable Children is about a white trash, like, doesn't-get-along white family. That was They thought it'd be funny to, like, do the opposite. <laughs> and uh, she plays Peggy, and then, ah, she's so good, guys. She's amazing. Okay, so Ben, um, the main character, his name is Ryan Merriman. Um, he has 59 credits. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool. He was born in Oklahoma, so okay. kind of close to us in Kansas. Um, he still lives in Oklahoma. Uh, he had a run on The Pretender. He was Ian Thomas on Pretty Little Liars, which I think he's kind of most famous for. Um, his newest thing. Oh, he has several things in like pre and post pre and post production, like The Ring 2. Oh, no, that's like one that he's famous for is The Ring 2, Taken, The Predator, Final Destination 3, and 42. So he's been in some big movies. Um, Sounds like he's kind of like an outdoorsy guy. He likes to snowboard and four-wheel. It's very Oklahoman. Fishing. And he liked golfing so much that in 2016, he launched a website that sells like golf fashion. And you kind of had to like be a part of the club and join the club. and. I looked it up and I couldn't find it, so I don't think it exists anymore. But it was called nineteenthholeswag.com. Huh. So he did that for a little while, anyway. And on his Instagram, every year on St. Patrick's Day, he does like a luck of the Irish. Really? Yeah, he's like, "Happy St. Patty's Day!" Make sure you watch Luck of the Irish. <laughs> you know, every year. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, he leans into it. It's great. I love that. Um, Angie is paid. Was played by Katie Volding. Um, she now has changed her last name to like Steeler or something, and she only has 16 credits. So she pretty much stopped acting pretty soon after that. Uh, she was in A Pair One, Two, and Three, so that's something she's kind of known for. She stopped acting in 2009 and became a tattoo artist. Um, she lives in upstate New York city and she goes by kt styler on like facebook and instagram so you can look her up at first i wasn't sure if it was really her but once i saw her you can really tell she has a very distinctive look it's and so her. you can tell it's her <laughs> so yeah and i she thought looks that very was punk fun. rock now yes she has like part of her head shaved and like part of it's like spiked up but in yeah. a different style than back then anyway yeah way to go katie like i don't know I feel yeah. like I feel like the kid actors who came out and got to do something else. I feel I don't know. I'm always happy for them. I'm happy they found something that they love to do. Yeah, and it didn't know? have to be stardom. Right, right. They were just like, no, it's it's cool. So uh, Nick 
is Kevin Kilner. He has 118 credits. So this is the dad. So um, I thought his story was really cool because he actually got a bachelor's in social and behavioral science at John Hopkins. What? And he was on the national champion lacrosse team. So, Kevin. Yeah, he was not going to be an actor at all. And he like managed accounts for Fortune 500 companies and then was like, you know, I should be an actor. So he He's like great. got started a little later in life, but still became a really good actor. And yeah, it was great. Um, he's he's also on a Cinderella story. Is he the dad? He's the dad. Oh my gosh. I knew I recognized him. <laughs> Which is funny because that feels like decom adjacent somehow. Yeah, it does. Because it does. <laughs> it's Hillary Duff. Right, exactly. And then he's in Home Alone 3 where he's the dad. He's yes. Scarlett Johansson's dad. In yes. That. And he's raised in Raising Helen. And, you know, he's in quite a few things, obviously. Yeah. Um, Sarah, her name's Jessica Stein. She's also a career actor. She was the uh, girl that worked on Pat. Um, she has 96 credits. She's known for Armageddon, Chaos, Stargate, NCIS, and Charmed. Uh, and then, of course, LeVar Burton, we've already talked about. So anyway, so those are some of the, the actors and what they're doing now. Oh, uh, what legends. <laughs> um. I have a little bit of some critical review here for us. Yeah, please do. <laughs> IMDb gave it a 6.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an audience score of 53%. So sadly, it was a splat. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Mike W. said it would be cool to have a house like Pat. And Mary C. said, I hated this movie as a child, and I still hate it. So what? wide range. Mary. <laughs> And here's what I was talking about. Ryan Merriman. Everybody loved Ryan oh, Merriman. Yeah. Here we go. Tell me. Sandy Hills, 8888, in 2013, said, This is such a beautiful movie with a beautiful message. I remember watching it when I was very young and falling in love with it. Since then, it has been my second favorite movie of all time, next to the Titanic, of course. <laughs> the lovable hottie, Ryan Merriman, plays very well in his role as the responsible nerdy Ben and Katie as... She said, Katie, cat. Uh, wait, what? Oh, Pat. She put Katie. Sorry, it confused me. As a smart house. Um, I watch it every time it shows on Disney, which is, thank God, two times a month normally. <laughs> <laughs> watch it, people. You won't be disappointed. P.S. May God continue to bless you, Ryan, with all the beautiful things that life has. And may you continue to have a successful career in television and film. I've been your fan since Everything That Rises with Dennis Quaid, which is also a great movie. Peace and love for America and the whole world. Also, why do people write these reviews like this? Maybe she's just hoping like one day Ryan's going to be scrolling IMDb <laughs> and be like, what, what do people think about a movie I did in 1999? Yeah, I got to look it up and see. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that is fantastic. I just like reading them. I know it's kind of long, but they're just so weird. Like, why do people write them? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, yeah, girls were really thirsty for him, which is so funny. None of them. I don't think we're going to find that many reviews about Ring of Endless Light because it wasn't popular, but he's shirtless. It's a dolphin movie. He's like in the they, water. He gave, they gave the girls what they wanted. Yeah, I know. And like, that's the movie that didn't do well. Uh, I don't. I didn't. That's one of the ones I didn't even see all of. I couldn't. It was the one I kept missing. Like I yeah. wanted to see it and I'd be like, oh, this is like the middle. Well, I think part of the appeal of most of the DCOMs we've watched so far, they have very good, like, but I don't know. Maybe this isn't true, but both genders, I think, would like all of these movies. Absolutely. Maybe a shirtless guy with dolphins doesn't have the same appeal. 
<laughs> no, there's a female lead too, though. They're equally okay, starred. Yeah, okay. so it's well, like I don't remember who it was. We'll talk about it then. But I remember they advertised both of them. Hmm. So that was Smart House. Yeah. Oh, the next movie, John Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that one that much. It has a sequel. I watched it and loved it as a kid, but I never went back and rewatched it as an adult. And I don't, I don't know why I, it was like, it would come on. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not nostalgic for that one. And I don't know why I loved it as a kid. I thought huh. it was so cool, but it like, as time passed, I just, I don't know what happened. Well, at least now we have a CD with uh, three of songs from Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, we do. So uh, our CD came in. Very exciting stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and Johnny Tsunami has Lee Thompson Young, who's the lead on the famous Jet Jackson and later in the famous Jet Jackson movie. And I thought he was the coolest person who ever lived as a kid. (laughs) Ever. Like, of all the DCOM stars, I just remember if it had Lee Thompson Young, he was just so cool. Like, so relaxed cool. Uh, yes. You know? Relaxed is so cool. If you're relaxed, you're cool. It was just like one of those people I could see and he'd be like, hey, man, how are (laughs) you? Okay. So, Johnny Tsunami next time. Yeah, Johnny Tsunami. Wait, what do you think it's about? Well, I know it's about surfing. Is it? Okay, you're giving me a little. Go a little further. Okay. Go a little further. Let's see. A guy who surfs on a tsunami wave. No, that's just his name. I know that's just his name. Why are you looking at me like that? You're actually, I mean, surfing is barely part of the movie. Really? Yeah, barely. Oh, I thought it was a surfing movie. Barely. Okay, I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually a pretty cool plot. Okay, so. cool. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Wait, wait, rankings. <gasps> yes. How do you rank this one? What's your rating? Well, you go first. You always seem to know right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, so I I liked Can of Worms better. But because this one like had a message, I mean, Can of Worms had a message. And it had such better acting, I was like, yeah, 8.5. 8.5. So that ties it for You Lucky Dog with me. Oh, dang. Yeah, I just... No way, man. Again, it might drop over time, but that it was literally that one scene where you teared up. I was like, dadgummit. Yeah, it's good. Well... Like, it up, it picked up the rest of the movie. I mean, the rest of the movie does have some pacing issues, but it's not horrible. It's, no. It's... It's not. Yeah, it's... It was perfect as a kid, and as an adult, I wasn't bored once. I was just like, I would do this differently. So it was just subjective stuff. Okay, well, I'm looking at my previous ratings. I definitely liked it more than Can of Worms. Oh, obviously. <laughs> I liked it more than Halloween Town, I would say. Although that's close. Really? Because Halloween Town, I, I just like the world building and it's like a fun idea. Okay. I don't know. I think I might actually give this a point, like a, like a 6.5. 6.5? Really? I don't. I. Okay. Why so low? Because that's slower than Xenon for you. This is... You're right. There was that one or two scenes that I thought were really good, but I felt like parts of it were a little bit disjointed and confusing. And like, it was fun, but I thought that the house could have been like more fun, if that makes sense. Like it was... 
it could have taken it further or something or like made it more believable, like built to the crazy a little bit more. Sure. And it's not, I don't know. I think just this is where I liked it too. It wasn't like my favorite ever. So. I don't want it to be this high, but as we were talking and I, I thought if I was a kid with a single parent, right? And my mom died or my dad died. I think this movie would have reached out to me. I think I would have been like, oh, dang. Oh, like, I think it would have helped. And so that's why I kicked it up a notch, though. It it might fall later. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I think I'm good with where I am. Which reminds me, I haven't last time I forgot to do this. And this time I've been kind of tracking, which it almost feels mean to do. But we've been tracking single parents because in most of the movies, it's like a throwaway thing. It's like, oh, they have a single parent. And so, yeah. and it just seems to happen a lot. So we've been tracking. So this one does count and, but not any disapproving parents at all. No, this is the, probably the best parent we've had. So right far. now we've done, let's see, we've done eight movies. Eight? Yeah, eight. Dang. We've done eight movies. And out of the eight, there's been four single parents and only three disapproving parents. So four out of eight. That's, that's why we're so tracking many. it. That's why we're tracking it. Because it's like kind of ridiculous. That's <laughs> so many. And I would say of our Ryan Merriman is what I would call for me our first like Disney Channel all star. Mm. Like he he was brought back. He did multiple things. No, he's not big as like Hannah Montana or Miley Cyrus. Right. He's one of the OGs, right? Like, they kept bringing him <laughs> back in Shia LaBeouf, uh, Christy Carlson, Ron Hillary Duff. Like, th- just, those, he's that category. Why to me. did they not bring, uh, what's his name? Von Detten. Eric Von Detten? Eric Von Detten back. Why I don't know. Why did they not know. bring him back? He I don't was know. so good. I don't know why they just were like, yeah, kids love Brink. Okay, next. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm we'll outraged. make another Xenon and another Halloween Town. But not another Brink, which is clearly the best movie so Everybody far. Everybody go sign the petition that we Brink need to bring two. back. We're Brink still two. stuck on it. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. See you later.